0: Coming up on Stu Does America, a disgruntled NFL coach claims systemic racism and tries to take down the league. The Jeff Zucker CNN saga gets a sleazy new angle, and the Washington Redskins get a crappy new name, even more racisty than the original. Faithwire's Dan Andros will join us in a moment to cover it all. So let's get started and do Brian Flores. Stu Does America. Well, it's going to be an interesting one, boys and girls. Welcome to the program uh, today. A little bit different than normal. Why? Snowmageddon is here in Texas. Uh, we're talking about up to an inch, a full inch of snow. Well, not a full inch, but they're, so they're in some places where it's been maybe packed up a little bit, it's up to close to a half, maybe a quarter of an inch of snow. So the whole city is shut down. We're not allowed to go anywhere Uh, It's almost like we're back in April 2020 all over again. I am live from my house uh, in my wife's podcast studio. The Lisa Page made me do it uh, podcast studios, which means I owe her many favors. Um, And so uh, we'll just go on. We'll try to do our best here. It's going to be a little bit different today. We're going to let's let it roll. Uh, Just sit back a little bit, do a little bit of a conversation here coming up with Dan Andros in a minute. I want to first, though, introduce the... uh, sort of first topic we're going to talk about today, and it's Brian Flores. Flores is the, well, was the coach of the Miami Dolphins. Before that, he was with the New England Patriots. And that's important to the story today um, because you, you kind of need to understand uh, that Flores and the Patriots had a bit of a relationship, and that led to a key part of this whole story. Um, there's three basic things that happened here. Flores is, has launched a lawsuit against the NFL after being fired by the Dolphins. He was then up for many of the openings uh, when it comes to uh, the head coach positions in the NFL. I think there was nine of them this year. So he was up for a bunch of them, did interviews with a bunch of them. And before they were even all decided, there's still five left, I think, that need to be decided. He decided to sue the NFL. And he accused three things. He basically accused them of uh, improperly recruiting players, which is a yawn, uh, you know, basically, hey, the owner said maybe I could use my connections to go uh, try to recruit Tom Brady to the team when he was still a Patriot. Well, everybody wanted Tom Brady on their team, except for me, of course, uh, but I'm I'm a, I'm a pretty strong-willed individual when it comes to these things. Um, there's also incentivizing losses. This is a huge deal, if this is true. Now, everybody knows this goes on in the NFL, where if you're in last place and you want to get the number one draft pick,
1: yeah, you maybe
0: you're not calling your best place maybe your best players are injured this week right injured um there's a there's an incentive to obviously lose some games so you can get that number 1 pick now the dolphins in the season they're talking about had an easy path to the number 1 pick and then started winning games at the end this was not this is suboptimal for the the dolphins long term but hey a coach wants to win games it's understandable if There is evidence that the owner was, as alleged, basically bribing his coach to lose games. That's a big scandal. That is, if there's any evidence of this, we'll see. But if that's true, that is a big deal as far as the sport goes. But there's one part that you've probably heard a little bit more about, which is bigger because it it, it goes beyond the sport. It goes to everybody all around the world because, as you know, we are the most racist country that has ever existed in human history and that's bad that's bad um now of course it's not true not true at all in fact if you ask if the united states is a racist country the appropriate follow-up question to that is always as opposed to what because i don't know if you've been to europe lately i don't know if you've been to china lately i don't know if you've been to north korea lately probably not Maybe you have a timeshare there. It's been a little difficult to go for a little while, but you'll find all around the world a lot of racism exists. seems to be a human problem instead of just an American problem. But one place it's odd to allege that it is a problem is the National Football League. The National Football League, existing in a country that has 12% African Americans, yet 60% of their players are African Americans, the most prized jobs in the entire organization. So why, if they were so racist, would they be hiring black players all the time? Now, Brian Flores, of course, is accusing uh, multiple teams of being racist. And one of the issues associated with this is he's, first of all, just pissed he got fired. And he had a couple of good years. Uh, However, this year, when the team was supposed to be a playoff team and supposed to be one of the top teams in the AFC, they started out 1-7. and So, usually you don't keep your job in that situation. They made a run toward the end of the season and came close to the playoffs, but it wasn't enough, and Flores lost his job. Not necessarily completely due to his performance, but because he was butting heads with the general manager. Interesting fact about that general manager you may notice he is also African American. So, the ownership chose the black general manager over the black coach, and that supposedly is racist. This is dumb. Not a good point. Not a good series of points. And one of the issues here uh, that we have to deal with is this thing called the Rooney Rule. I won't bore you with the entire history of it, but the basic idea was there was complaints that there were not enough black coaches. And so they decided to put it in their uh, rule book that you had to uh, interview black coaches whenever you had an opening. Now, Intent all right, I mean, maybe you want to say the intent is okay. Uh, the intent is good. You want to make sure that people are getting a fair chance. There's not really a ton of evidence that this wasn't happening before, but okay, we can, we can explore it. Um, however, in practice, what it is, is racist. It, we hear a lot about systemic racism. This is systemic racism. The Rooney Rule. It is in the system, in the rule book, that you have to hire people based on the color of their skin. That's systemic racism. So Flores is upset because he uh, went to he got a bunch of interviews for these jobs, and he suspected some of these teams didn't really want to hire him, didn't really want to consider to hire him. They were just uh, they were going through the motions for the Rooney Rule. We have to hire a black candidate. I guess uh, let's bring Flores in here. We'll we'll say his name, even though we know we want this other guy. There's an issue with text messages and Bill Belichick, who is the coach of the New England Patriots, because Belichick oopsie doopsie. Uh, tweeted or uh, texted Brian Flores and said, hey, I heard you got the Giants job. Congratulations. And Brian Dable, who is another Brian, uh, also who knows Bill Belichick, uh, actually was getting the job. So Bill Belichick texted the wrong Brian. This is what happens, I think, when you get in your 70s. You just start texting the wrong people all the time. Uh, So that went on. And he's using this as evidence that they never wanted to hire me. They had already told Bill Belichick, which is really more nothing more than a rumor, but they had told Bill Belichick that I, you know, I Brian Dable already had the job, and they weren't really seriously coming to me with a with an opportunity to be hired. So big lawsuit going on, racist uh, implications all over the place. We're going to get into the details uh, and with a bunch of stuff today. As we're kind of going to have a little conversation today, Dan Andros joins me here in just a second. All right, this winter you can upgrade your daily routine with Bespoke Post and their new seasonal lineup of must-have box of awesome collections. I've had I get boxes of awesome, right? Deliver right to me. First of all, I'm awesome, so obviously I'm getting boxes of awesome. But in addition to that, Bespoke Post has a great lineup of these things. No matter what you're into, whether you know they have all sorts of examples. There's tons of them, and basically you go to boxofawesome.com and you take their quiz, and with their quiz, uh, kind of gives you. Uh, a a, a selection of what kind of box would be right for you. What are your interests? Uh, It's free to sign up. Uh, You can cancel anytime. Uh, And each box costs only 45 bucks. Now, they say, uh, they give me the little talking points here of like what their product's about. And they say, uh, it has over $70 worth of gear inside. This is true. However, it is inefficient in explaining how awesome these boxes are because it's way more than $70. Everyone I've ever seen has been way more than $70. Uh, You get 20% off your monthly box, uh, the first one, when you sign up at boxofawesome.com and enter the code STEW at checkout. 90% of everything that comes in your box of awesome awesome is from a small, up-and-coming brand. This is cool stuff. Not everybody around you is going to have it. Check it out, boxofawesome.com. The code is STEW for 20% off your first box. Boxofawesome.com. Code is STEW. Should we consider, I don't know, not making decisions based on color of skin? Is that something the United States uh, wants to, I don't know, maybe investigate, maybe partake in a little bit? I thought that was the plan the whole time. Apparently, that's changing uh, now. Dan Andros from faithwire.com joins me. Uh, and uh, Dan, you know, this Rooney rule, the whole Brian Flores thing is just a giant mess.
1: Yeah, it is. And, uh, you know, first of all, my my first thought is the whole thing seems ridiculous for a complaint about racism etc for a guy that was making three plus million dollars a year (laughs) you know it's kind of like how many people have a job where they make three million dollars or more a year and you're finding a way to complain about this it seems just from just off the top there it seems a little ridiculous that I have to listen to these complaints about (laughs) someone who's making three million dollars a year one of the most high profile jobs uh, in the country and And, uh, and so then you have this whole rule come into play and I don't know. I mean, you look at the way that it all went down and the Belichick emails, all that is hilarious, but, uh, I just can't understand the logic behind here. It it seems like the NFL should be the one he's, you know, that the the whole rule itself should be what he's mad at. Not, not the teams.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, if, First of all, you're right. They pay him over three million dollars a year and they uh, they hired him in the first place. I don't know. Like, why would a racist team hire him and a black general manager in the first place? It it makes absolutely no sense. Um, But beyond that, there's this whole thing that happens, I think, when when uh, this type of lawsuit gets filed it actually discourages team in the teams in the future from going this route because they're afraid if they fire someone for going 1 and 7 with a playoff team that they may very well wind up getting uh, in the news cycle getting sued and have all this other stuff go on you're actually sort of hurting the entire uh, process here of hiring more minority coaches by attacking this team for hiring you initially and then on your way out you want to you know leave every bridge burned.
1: Yeah. And and the whole rule, I mean the way it's set up, it kind of forces these teams into these scenarios because instead of just looking at the person you want. It sounds like the Giants had the person that they wanted, but then because you have this rule, now you're forced to oh we we've yes, we already know the person we want, but we have to fulfill this rule or else we're going to get in trouble. And so you know, when you have the person you want, and then that person doesn't happen to be a minority, that's a problem. You know now now it's a problem because of this rule. Now you have to do these shenanigans because what Flores was saying was that it was a sham interview, and you know they'd already picked their guy. Well, it wouldn't have happened at all if if this rule wasn't in place. You wouldn't even gotten talked to. And it's like maybe you could have gone in there. This rule probably, even if they had picked their guy, probably gave him more of a chance at getting that job than he would have had previously because he could have gone in there and just blown their socks off and just had an amazing interview. And they could have been like, you know what? We got to change course here. So I don't know. It it just the whole complaint just seems ridiculous.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was I think believe that was Mike Tomlin's story where he came in. He wasn't the favorite for the job at the time, but he blew them away in the interview. They wound up loving him. And now he's been. And one of the longest tenured coaches in the NFL right now. Um, And, like, I think fundamentally we have to look at this rule for what it is, which is if you are going to require that every team comes in and gives an interview to a, a minority coach, you are, by definition, telling them that even if they have the best candidate on the market, they have to come through with this interview anyway. And when they... That interview is going to be a sham if they already knew who they want to hire. And <laughs> right. you can't complain about it being a sham when the whole thing is directed to to make teams com, com, uh, commit to sham interviews. And th- yeah. They have to do it by rule. If they don't do the sham interview, they get in trouble. And now, apparently, if they do the sham interview, they get in trouble.
1: <laughs> right. The whole thing seems a little demeaning to me. It's 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 it's, it's the similar feel to Joe Biden you know, saying that he's going to only hire, you know, an African-American female to the bench, uh, to the Supreme Court. And it's like, if I'm that person, and now, look, of course, I'd be, look, I'd take it, right? If I was the one that benefited from that, all right, I'll take it. But in some way, though, it's, it, it kind of takes away from the achievement because you didn't beat out everyone else. You know, there was just uh, an external factor that you had no control over being born with a certain color skin and that gave you, in this particular case, because of people wanting to fulfill, you know, a certain, you know, makeup of the court, you know, racially wise, that propelled you into a, a, a lead over other candidates. And so to me, that almost like takes away from it. It feels like it was given to you rather than earned to some extent. I mean, obviously, all of the whoever gets picked is going to have earned it to some extent, but you're still going to have that. Wow. Would I have gotten this if if uh, I wasn't this color? And uh, I think that's wrong. I mean, I think you would, you know, you want to make sure that if that you're not intentionally leaving out a candidate uh, who's a minority. um, But at the same time, if you're forced to do it, the meaning of the accomplishment gets sort of diminished. Yeah. And when you you bring up the Biden example of the Supreme Court, we went
0: through those numbers. You were eliminating something like 98 percent of possible people. (laughs) <laughs> that could come for these jobs. And it's like, well, you were the best of that 2%. And that's a that's really hard to do. You know, it's it's not without, it's a it's level of achievement, but it doesn't mean the same thing. And, you know, look, we know this stuff goes on. We know the identity politics game gets played, ex- especially in politics. But it's interesting to note that the NFL is the one with the rule here. The NFL is requiring uh, an interview for a minority for every candidate. And sometimes it's multiple minorities. Now they've changed this rule so many times that's not the case the democratic party doesn't even say that they don't say they're they they are requiring an interview for uh for uh, minority candidates this is like it, it's really pathetic that a an organization like the nfl that is designed to be uh, to be decided in, in all of its context uh contests decided by merit and merit only supposedly has a rule that takes away the merit it's not that a black coach is not the best candidate. They very well may be, but they should have to win a full competition just like everybody else.
1: Yeah. And it shouldn't be shocking when there's not. I mean, you probably know the stats better than me off the top of your head, Stu. But what percentage of Americans are African-American right now? There are, what, 32 NFL teams? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's 32 jobs you're talking about. So the odds of finding minorities to fill 32 positions It just seems unlikely. Right. Like and and so, you know, there are there's only one or two you know black coaches in the league. And it's like, well, just look at the numbers like any of having any representation there would be quite an achievement. Yeah. And here's the thing. And this is
0: if you bring up these points, people will say, sure, yes, we know we shouldn't make decisions based on color of skin, blah, blah, blah. That's so antiquated. (laughs) And then they'll get to the point where they say, well, 60 percent of the league is black. And therefore, 60% of the coaches should be black. This is a, uh, this is a, a false argument. Uh, the, the premise of the argument is nonsensical. The, the skill set you need to be a player in the NFL is not the same skill set that you need to be a coach in the NFL. And what happens here is African-Americans completely outperform white people except for punting. We're really good at punting, Um, but generally speaking, outperform white people when it comes to the merit-based positions of these uh, playing uh, as uh, the high salary positions of being a player. So, but like that, you know, like think of the fat offensive lineman that's three hundred and seventy-five pounds, and then uh, you know, think of Terrell Owens, who's in perfect you know physical shape when he's leaving the league. Um, You know, DJ Metcalf. That is not the same skill set that Andy Reid has. But Andy Reid is going to go to the Hall of Fame as a coach because he, he's able to do that job. Now, there's plenty of players that have come on to do that job. But what's interesting here is you have a, a population of about 12% of African-Americans that make up about 60% of the league. Obviously, that's not racist. If, unless you're saying it's racist against whites, I don't, I don't know what you're saying here. And when it comes to Coaches, what happens with these players? There's plenty of white players in college. There's plenty of white ca- players in high school. And those, ki- those kids love football just as much as the African-American players. And then they get to these high levels and they get outperformed by African-Americans. And what do they do? They go into coaching earlier. They start their coaching career years before many of these African-American players because they're, not, they're still playing while, uh, you know, people uh, who are white are like, ah, I mean, unless I'm punting, I can't get on the team. Right. So, I mean, it's just a different skill set. And it's it's not that African-Americans don't have those skills. Of course they do. But white people are made up of 70 percent of this country. So they're going to get a lot of the jobs. That is not racism. That's just reality.
1: Yeah. So what, let me understand your point here, Stu. Are you saying that if uh, activists want to see more African-American coaches They need to encourage African Americans to be worse athletes. Yes, that is exactly what I'm saying. Okay, all right. Yeah, I just wanted to (laughs) just wanted to make sure I got understood. Start dropping more passes, throw it over people's heads. You'll Uh, have no choice but to go into coaching. You'll increase the ranks.
0: (laughs) It's true. Okay, got it. These are not the jobs, Dan. That we (laughs) and I grew up together uh, in Connecticut, and we uh, spent about 80 percent of our time playing sports in the backyard. There were very rare times where we were like, oh, man, let's reenact that Super Bowl moment where the coach called that play. <laughs> it's not what you want to be when you're a kid. You want to be the player. It's only when right. you fail at being the player that you go into coaching. That, right, that's right. when you do it. Oh, gosh. All right. Let me uh, let me take a break here uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll come back more with Dan Andros at Dan Andros on Twitter. Make sure to follow him back with more in a second. uh all right uh let's talk to let's talk about built.com uh built bar is uh well you know what i'm in my house right now uh in, in right behind me is this uh, you can't really see it it's kind of a uh, a glowing uh pink sign because i'm in my wife's podcast studio if you listen to my wife's podcast there's a very good chance you will hear her talking about built bars she's the one that sort of opened up this world uh, to people at the blaze because no one had ever really tried them before my wife though gets them all the time and she started raving about them and she's been talking to people all around the country about how incredible built bars are they're the best protein bars out there 180 calories or less you know uh, four to five net carbs four to five uh, grams of sugar uh, high in fiber high in protein these things will fill you up for a meal they will maybe be a great snack uh, even a dessert she chills them they're in the fridge right down the hall as we speak don't miss out. If you never tried a Built Bar, you got to try them. Go to built.com. Built.com is the place to go. Uh, and if you use the promo code STU15, you'll get 15% off your first order. Now, the promo code is STU15 for 15% off at built.com. Well, CNN has had an interesting couple of days. Uh, kind of out of nowhere yesterday, Jeff Zucker, who's the head of CNN stepped down uh, really out of nowhere and as he was stepping down he said oh by the way during the middle of this uh, Cuomo investigation that we've been doing uh eh, someone mentioned I may have been in a multiple year f- affair with someone uh, that worked for me and I never really mentioned it and because of that uh bye-bye so that was kind of the statement a little bit of a summary Dan Andros uh, from faithwire.com is with me uh to talk about it and Dan it's interesting to see all this stuff happen You know, it really couldn't happen to a better organization.
1: I mean, it sure looks like Chris Cuomo is just setting the place on fire on his way out. (laughs) You know what I mean? I mean, it's like uh, this has there has to be more, by the way. I'd like to get your take on this as well, Stu. But to me, there has to be more than just this. And uh, I saw Stelter, a clip of him with, I think, Allison Camerota, whatever her name is, um, talking about this. And she was shocked. She's like. These are consenting adults. I don't understand why, you know, he has to go because of this. You don't understand. It's not consent. That's the problem here. It's that he had this relationship and this woman's getting promoted up the ladder while no one knows that they're having this relationship. Uh, and that's just one reason, but it was kind of funny to me that they couldn't see the, uh, you know, inappropriateness of, of not disclosing a relationship like this in particular, That's just one layer of it. Then you toss in the fact that she used to be flack for Governor Cuomo. And (laughs) then you had the whole Chris Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo, you know, CNN debacle where they were basically PR for the for the governor's office there during the covid crisis. Um, And of course, that's all been shoved down the memory hole. They don't want you to remember that they sat there on air day after day talking about how he's replaced Trump as a leader. He's a de facto president. I mean, you see the clips, the highlight reels that some uh, people have have dug up, but they're trying to shove that one down the memory hole. But what a disaster. And um, but I mean, to me, it looks like Chris Cuomo is just he he held on to all this information. They're not giving him the payout he wants. So he's like, all right, you're not going to give me my money. I'm setting the place on fire. Good luck. Yeah, I mean, think about it. How
0: long did we ask the same question? We asked it a hundred times uh, on the show. Why is Chris Cuomo being protected? What does he have on these people? I mean, what That's right? On earth is going on. He is a terrible host. He has uh, has embarrassed himself tons of times just doing just doing his show. He has it's terrible ratings. Network. He embarrassed the network. He left quarantine to yell at someone on a bicycle. He faked his exit of quarantine on the air for drama. He did softball interviews with his brother, the governor, in the middle of his scandal, uh, where he was letting tens of thousands of elderly people go back to nursing homes where COVID was present. All of this was going on. I mean, there's a, there's way too many examples to even count. And they kept backing him over and over and over again. It was it was inexplicable and now you know what not so inexplicable because we know that he knew that uh, his brother's former aide was hooking up with the boss and that's why he did this and now they want him to he wants to get his money and he's pissed off he was being held accountable so he is saying i'm going to burn the place down i mean this is the quote from brian stelter yesterday number one is the chris cuomo reference cuomo was fired in december and he's not going out quietly He was fired and there were reports that he wasn't going to get paid the millions of dollars that were going to be on the remainder of his contract. This is from Brian Stelter at CNN on CNN. He said, so as a source said to me earlier today, he was trying to burn the place down. He was going to court, uh, going to court, trying to burn the place down, claiming that he had incriminating information about Zucker and Gullist. This is the woman Mm. he was he was hooking up with. Uh, It's a real problem. And, and, you know, there's even more to the story now where it appears Jeff Zucker and Golust, the woman he was uh, hooking up with, and the former uh, Cuomo aide were actually advising Cuomo themselves <laughs> on the initial press conferences that then they would praise on CNN. I mean, yeah. This is so incestuous.
1: Yeah, but for, number one, first of all, I'd not seen that um, quote from Stelter, and so uh, I'm actually shocked that I agree with uh, Stelter. Uh, <laughs> it finally, happens. Unless you were his for source. Once in my life. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, what's incredible, though, is that remember, this is the same Brian Stelter who just a couple days ago was out there going, I can't believe that uh, people trust Joe Rogan more than they trust CNN. I don't understand why.
0: <laughs> and yeah.
1: Now, that, now shocker. That, then the then the house is on fire after that. And you're like, oh, OK, maybe that's why uh, this happens. But uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, utter disgrace. And it's no shock to me why. Absolutely nobody trusts CNN. The the fact that not only was Chris Cuomo helping his brother out, which we've now seen, he must have saved stuff <laughs> because it to, to if they were actually also doing it, the president of CNN and you know the the former governor's flack, uh, who by the way she still has a job there. I think as far as yeah, last she's I staying looked. right now. Mm-hmm. Which is how? How does that work? I mean, how, is that not the most awkward walk back into the office? But um, what a disaster for what a disaster for CNN! You know, to have their president like just—they're just political hacks. I, I mean, and look, still we were at CNN with Glenn. What? What is that now? Fourteen years ago, fifteen years ago, and like they had a liberal bias, but it wasn't like this. I mean, it wasn't this bad.
0: No, I, I don't think the, uh, the people in the higher levels were actually advising candidates and politicians <laughs> no. on how to, how to please the press <laughs> and then doing gushing coverage of it. And this yeah. is one of the things that bothered me so much with Chris Cuomo, and that he actually emailed a full speech to, um, to his brother. And it was like the first word we heard from Andrew Cuomo about this was basically Chris Cuomo's speech that he penned. And it's like, Chris Cuomo's writing a speech it's going to the governor. The governor's saying it, being covered by CNN and analyzed by CNN. This is the same thing that happened with the press conferences. Jeff Sucker uh, and and his girlfriend were calling up Andrew Cuomo and saying, hey, here's how you can present this information. Um, here's a good way to do the press conferences. Cuomo did that, went on the air, took their advice, and then got basked in praise by the people employed by Jeff Zucker and his girlfriend. Uh, this is, I mean, it, 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 there's no
1: credibility here at all. It's incredible because, I mean, I work for CBN now. We're a Christian broadcasting organization. So that's clearly our perspective that we're coming from is from a Christian, you know, point of view on things. So that is our admitted bias uh, when we're trying to report the news. And like. You know, we're a fraction of the size of of CNN, the world's, you know, ginormous newsleader or whatever they call themselves these days. And the stuff they would do like that, like you just went through on a day to day basis, is stuff I would never even consider doing in my wildest dreams. And yet places like The Blaze and CBN get criticized and ridiculed as these right wing propaganda machines And it's just it's so embarrassing that if I'm a journalist at CNN, because I'm sure they still have a few left there that actually do a good job, um, you know, just because they're so big, I I would be livid at this stuff. I'd be like wanting to get out of there because it just it just ruins your own reputation as a journalist. Yeah. And then oddly, the the instinct of an Allison Camerato
0: is to go on the air and defend Jeff Zucker. Yeah. You know, uh, like, wouldn't you be frustrated to hear these sorts of things? I, I, you know, we, we did work in this building, um, for a a while back in the day and it's been a long time now, but there are still people that we worked with that, that are there. and, And at least I can, I can vouch for those people. They're, you know, they're very good, smart people. And again, they might even be liberal, but they're, 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 they would not consider doing something like this. It's so far out of the realm of journalism. It's so far away from anything that could even be considered mildly, mildly borderline. These are, Actions of of people who believed they were powerful enough to never be questioned. And now that they are being questioned, the House of Cards is falling apart.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I would say, too, that I I think we've seen a shift, you know, from the time we were there and and even well after that. I would say it's Mm. Trump brought this on that they so overreacted to Trump that they went into full blown activism. And and I really think that people at the top that are these uber liberals, these elite liberals like Zucker and everybody else, that they felt, and they were pressured, I think, by activists, that you have to do something with your position of power. You can't just sit by and let Trump get in office again. And so I think that's why you saw NPR and everybody else bury the Hunter Biden story, which now they're miraculously looking back into that, the Hunter Biden laptop. And uh, so I really think you saw a shift during the Trump administration because they were so appalled as leftists that Trump was able to win that election that they didn't want to see that happen again. And uh, I really do think that that, that the, they flipped a switch and they went from, mm. you know, a left leaning journalistic outfit to, you know, with liberal biases that leaks through to the coverage to full blown activism.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a great point Uh the, the Trump era really did poison them in a way where they just said you know this whole journalism thing is getting in the way you know we 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 can't do this anymore we can't allow someone like trump to be in power it's too important it was, a, it was yeah. a form of desperation really and it made them cross whatever journalistic lines they had left um let me take a break here dan we're gonna come back on the other side with a little bit more dan andros from faithwire.com he's at dan andros on twitter back in a second Here I am in my home, and I'm not currently looking to sell this thing. I kind of like it, and I like Texas, and I don't want to leave it. Uh, in uh, our home here, we have a little uh, podcast studio for my wife. Her podcast, Lisa Page, made me do it. Uh, she has podcasts, and she's on Instagram all the time. And so this is a very Instagram-friendly room. Uh, and, you know, like, you got to find – I wish I could show you this room. I can't really direct the camera around, but I am surrounded by more pink on the walls and more uh, furry, like, blankets – and trinkets and everything's rose gold or pink all, all i'm telling you is like this isn't the room that i would design for myself it's the design she it's the room she designed for herself uh if you have a, a home where you have a room like that you love it you love it more than anything else and sometimes when you are that connected to a home it's hard to get your head screwed on straight about what you're supposed to get for a house um, when you have lots of memories and things like that uh, you want to be able to have a real estate agent that can kind of just talk you down and say, look, this is the truth of the matter right now. This is what this house is worth. This is what you need to do to it. If you're going to a new home, you don't want to get, walk in and fall in love with something and then you're overbidding. need you now have someone who, has, who understands and has a sober view of the market in crazy times, which are going on right now. It's realestateagentsitrust.com to find that person no matter where you are in the country, realestateagentsitrust.com. Welcome back, Students America from home. Uh, Today, uh, the new Census Bureau report is out. It finds that in 2019, just under two-thirds of American kids lived with two married parents. 93% lived with at least one biological parent. Uh, But there's some really interesting breakdowns of this. First of all, uh, there's some bad news in this for kids. Uh, In 2019, 38.1% of children who resided with two unmarried parents we're living below the poverty line, whereas 7.5 percent of children living with two married parents lived in poverty. 38 uh, percent from for unmarried parents, only seven percent with married parents. Uh, here's the chart, uh, and you see it broken down by racial groups. So I want to talk to you about that here in a second. But first, Dan Andrews is here with us from FaithWire.com. I, I I don't know. Are you shocked that the results are not as good? If you're not, you know, participating fully in the old school nuclear family, Dan.
1: <laughs> no, I'm not shocked at all. I mean, this is just another, yet another statistical confirmation on what we've seen bear out time and time again over history: is that the best model, the best setup, is a mom, a dad, married nuclear family, the, that basic setup. That by far and away, the statistics show out that you're going to have better successes in life when it comes to avoiding crime education all the whole host of statistics and um we see it play out time and time again and so uh not surprised to see yet another statistic bear it out interesting too that it
0: seems to be getting worse so let me give you these,
1: this breakdown real quick um
0: that number 38.1 of children who resided with two unmarried parents so you have two parents in the household this is not a split family they're just not married um That uh, that number has gone uh, from 27 percent in 2001 to 38.1 percent. So more kids in poverty with that group. The opposite has happened with married families. In 2001, it was only 10 percent of parents uh, with with, 10 percent of children living with a married couple uh, had these issues. It's down to 7.5 percent. These differences are becoming more and more uh, dramatic as the left continues to encourage you to do them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and you see that uh, the the idea of the nuclear family has been under attack for some time now. I mean, even in the, the Black Lives Matter statement that was scrubbed from the Internet, they specifically talk about dismantling the nuclear, the idea of the nuclear family. And, um, you know, you see the push now from the le- radical left to normalize things like polyamory and uh, even divorce, sort of this kind of I don't know, I don't want to say celebrated per se, but it's it's this uh, sort of very much accepted more than it was idea that, you know, hey, if we're just not getting along, let's just go ahead and get divorced. But we're still we're still taking care of those kids as best as we can. and and um, I just think those ideas that are often pushed by the radical left are contributing to that dismantling of the family. And so many of these issues that we see play out in in cities and elsewhere can go back to the family. And it's it's not the end all be all solution to everything, but it certainly increases your chances of avoiding some of the more, you know, catastrophic, you know, the I mean, catastrophic uh, pitfalls that, that kids can find themselves in. It's true. <laughs> you know, it's it's not some families suck. There's no doubt
0: about it. Uh, but it does increase your chances. Um, I want to go. I'm glad you brought up BLM here for a second, because I think this is the one of the more disturbing parts of of this report. They broke down a percentage of all children living with two married parents by race and Hispanic origin. And what you see here is, uh, first of all, the highest percentage of two parents is in Asian households. And, they, you know, they basically kick our ass and everything. Um, yep. So um, we're used to that. Uh, you see a very similar level between, um, you know, whites and Hispanics and, and uh, overall all groups. Considerably down, though. Um, you know, for example, white alone is seventy-five percent, roughly. Um, but black families—we're talking about thirty-seven percent, about half the rate of living with with two parents in the household. And it strikes me as this is really a factor of the Af- African American community has been most targeted by this propaganda by these leftist groups they have been victimized more by these leftist groups than other racial categories and you see something like this it's really sad it paints a difficult uh picture of the future and i think it's explainable if 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 you if you if you dabble too much in progressivism you get results like this
1: yeah and and i mean i remember Stu from your research in inconvenient book uh that glenn wrote (laughs) back in the day and uh you know it, it yeah, and it, and it just showed that, you know, the inner cities that were largely made up of African-American that were Democratic-controlled for centuries, or for decades, rather, and no improvement whatsoever. And yet there's this just incredible grip on the voting block there that, that African-Americans vote in such high numbers for Democrats. It's really one of the more remarkable things, I think, uh, that has stuck. And, I mean, part of it is Republicans doing a really bad job in offering a, a counter to, to some of these policies that have not worked. You've tried that for 50 years. How's that working out for you? You keep blaming Republicans for this and you've yet to even try something different in your city to see if it gets better or forget about the politicians, you know, just really focusing on the family. And, the, you know, that Asian statistic is really interesting to me because um, when you look at after, shortly after World War II, not a pleasant time for Asians to be in America, you know, Uh, not exactly a highly trusted group at that time. I mean, for crying out loud, you know, FDR put them in camps because we couldn't trust them. And so obviously that carried over that sentiment carried over shortly after, you know, the war ended. But and even in California, they were specifically making laws so that Asians would have a harder time getting ahead. They couldn't own certain things. And I forget all the specifics of the laws off the top of my head, but there were laws hampering them. And they found a way to counter that. They really focused on education. And as you notice there, they focused on family. They kept those families together, family-owned businesses, running small businesses, making sure that education was a priority. And you can see how that has very much worked out in large part for a great number of Uh, Asian Americans here. And so um, I, I think, you know, any group would be wise, any person would be wise to take a note from that and say, you know, aside from, you know, from me as a Christian perspective, that's a biblical mandate, but just from common sense, looking at it saying, oh, hey, that seems to be working out. Maybe this is something that we should value in our family
0: yeah it's nice when those things line up <laughs> you know it's a, yeah <laughs> it's actually good results uh and uh the thing you're probably supposed to be doing anyway uh so yeah. uh dan andros uh, faithwire.com is the place you can find him uh, at dan andros on uh on twitter and of course uh the youtube page as well cbn does a lot of great coverage we love cbn they do uh, great stuff over there as well uh dan thanks so much for coming on and uh and and Participating in the strangest episode of Does
1: America. In <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's been a little bit of a different show today, I've noticed. Um, we, uh, we do appreciate you tuning in. Uh, in the middle of Texas snowmageddon, where basically we have about an inch of snow outside. And we are doing the show from home today, so we do appreciate you uh, tuning in. Um, Ainsley joins me, uh, my daughter. Say hello. Hi. Say hello to the people. And Zach? Zach, say hello. Hi. Yeah. How'd you guys, <laughs> you guys have fun? Have fun with the snow today? Yeah. Okay, I thought so. Yeah. Not you, really? Not, not really? snow on my face. Yeah, Ainsley dumped snow on Zach's face <laughs> earlier. There's a little bit of a controversy of all that. My, my day has been a little different, a little crazy. Uh, I do hope you understand Uh, Thanks to my wife, uh, Lisa Page. Lisa Page made me do it uh, for giving me the uh, podcast uh, studio access, which is very important for us, of course. Um, And uh, we do appreciate you tuning in to Blaze TV. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the promo code. Uh, Go there. uh, Or excuse me, that's the link. Go there, use the promo code stew. You will save 10 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV and you'll be helping fund these kids. This kid eats tons and tons of food. I have to keep feeding him uh, she, is uh, g- gymnastics and volleyball and baseball, and we have to pay for all these.